Welcome to the Rare Find Voices podcast. My name is Robin Koenig, and I'm the CEO and founder of Rare Find. I'm a self-improvement junkie, certified professional coach, podcast host, and public speaker. And I'm a wife and mom of four teenagers. I'm an expert at helping people use their gifts to take intentional action and get intentional results. How do I do this? By helping you realize your gifts and use them as your superpowers. I love challenging people to think differently, see things differently, and then do things differently to create powerful change in their life. Each week, I'll share my voice or bring forward another rare fine voice to help you uncover your gifts, step into that power, and allow your brilliance to shine through. Believe me, I know how it feels to struggle with feeling good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, successful enough, and deal with major life transitions such as getting married, getting divorced, changing jobs, or having kids. This podcast is for you if you want to be more confident in your own skin, transform your mindset, and get out of your own way. If you're ready to show the world your greatest gifts, then keep listening because you are a rare find. So let's get started. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Rare Find Voices. I'm super excited. I have a special guest today. Her name is Kendra French, and she's been a San Diego County resident since 1994 and has served in a variety of roles within our community. In 2015, she and her husband Gary opened 101 Mobility of San Diego. Kendra is a certified aging in place specialist and helps make homes safer to allow people to live safely and independently at home. Kendra currently serves as a president of the San Diego chapter of the National Aging in Place Council. She serves on the San Diego Fall Prevention Task Force and is an active in the Caregiver Coalition. She also hosts a monthly program at the Carlsbad Senior Center called Successfully, Successful Aging in Place. Her business, 101 Mobility of San Diego, is a San Diego Live Well partner. She's passionate about cross-cultural missions and has led teams of youth and adult volunteers in Haiti, Uganda, Kenya, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Nicaragua. Kendra's four children, two grandchildren, two dogs, and a business keep her life full, but she can always find a few minutes to enjoy the sunshine, gather with friends, and dance to whatever beat is playing. Welcome to the show, Kendra. Hi, Robin. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really oh excited goodness. to be here. I'm, I'm so happy to have you, and I just threw my pen on the floor, so let me grab another one. Um, but it, it's so fun because, well, we met through the local Chamber of Commerce, which was really cool. And I knew, I was like, I know her from somewhere. And it was really fun to realize that we had actually met another time at a weekend retreat for women at our local church. That's right. We met on a hiking trail. We did. We did. <laughs> and, and that's what's so fun. You know, it's like we live in a, a pretty big town, right, in Carlsbad, but you know, you just find that you're connected to people in, in other ways. So I was so happy when I discovered that I was like, oh my gosh, I actually kind of know you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great to find out, you know, how people are so connected and, and uh, yeah, and that was a good hike. That was a good hike. That was such an awesome time. And that was literally right before things kind of quote stopped in the world with the pandemic. It was like the weekend before. So it was great that we actually got to do that. Didn't miss the opportunity to do that. And I have such fond memories. Very much so. I'm so glad that that, that event was able to, to happen because had, had it been just a few days later, uh, we wouldn't have had that experience. And, and it's been, uh, I know for a lot of the women that were there, uh, just 
a critical point of building relationships that have been really integral to their, you know, emotional health and well-being through the season of, of sheltering it in place. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. And, you know, it was the first time I had done anything like that at our church. And also I had brought both of my teenage daughters. And so it was a really nice way to just like create even more of a bond and do something different that, you know, like you said, going into this current state, it probably helped me a lot more than I can even realize now, you know, just managing the emotional stuff and how it feels to you know, be in quarantine with mm-hmm. your family who I love, but it can be kind of tricky. So <laughs> not to, not to get off course here to, to start the show off, but, um, but no, it was a really nice thing that I was able to kind of go back and remember that we had had that connection, but I had no idea what you did as far as your business is concerned. And oh my gosh, A, you're a super busy woman. B, I love this. The business that you have is so unique and so needed. Um, But I wonder if you could share a little bit more about it and kind of how you got started, because I learned a lot just in the conversations that we had this far. So I'd love for you to share that with some of our guests. Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, a lot of what we do is really around helping people. And uh, we work a lot with older adults or people who are physically vulnerable, um, people with disabilities or uh, things like that, who uh, have trouble safely navigating their homes. And um, the way we started, my husband and I run the business together and his background is manufacturing. And, and mine is more along the lines of education. I've, I've done a few different things here and there, but I'm basically just a homeschool mom. And uh, we went through a season where uh, his career took a turn and we found ourselves wondering what the next chapter would, would hold. And, um, you know, we've never, like, it's never been my dream to own a business. Uh, And yet we found ourselves really exploring that option and really, you know, honestly praying about asking God, what do you have for us? And, um, you know, you mentioned in my bio, I have this love for cross-cultural missions and I've had these wonderful opportunities to serve people in different parts of the world. And, and so we really wanted to find something that would allow us to serve people in our own backyard, in our own community. And uh, so as we explored different um, business opportunities and um, we came, uh, we were introduced to 101 Mobility, which is a franchise. So we're one of about 75 independent, uh, independently owned businesses across the nation and in Canada. And um, it just really was front of heart for us. Um, my I grew up caregiving for my mom who had a chronic um, pulmonary condition and I just think if she had had even one of the solutions that we have for the home um, our whole our lives as a family um, not just her quality of life but our whole life as a family would have been so much better and so uh, 101 mobility really gave us an opportunity to make that difference for people and um, utilize our gifts. You know, my husband has a tremendous level of expertise when it comes to business and operations and all of the logistics. Um, and I come with 
you know, the heart. <laughs> so I bring nothing. He's heartless. He has a huge heart. Um, but I come with the people skills and, and the, um, the ability to get to know people quickly and build relationship and, and understand, you know, what their needs are and, and how to help them find the right solutions. Um, you know, so primarily the types of solutions we offer are um, eh, anything with the word lift in it. So it's the stair lifts, the chair that mounts to a track on the stairs and helps someone have access to their second floor when the chair, uh, stairs become difficult or wheelchair ramps or wheelchair lifts or if someone isn't able to transfer from a, a chair to the bed or the bed to a chair uh, we have lifts and and um, standing devices that will help them to accomplish those things um, so those are primarily the services that we have uh, but one of the things, and maybe I'm giving too long of an answer to your short question. No, I love it. I love it. Keep going. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think really stands out about us and the way that we do business is that, you know, my goal is to really help people find the right solution, even if that solution doesn't come from me. So if someone presents with a need and I don't have the right option for them, I will do the best I can to get them to the person who can help them. And, and I think that's so important. And it's, uh, you know, because the picture is so much broader than just the spaces in the home that I can help with. That's so awesome. And you hit on so many different things. I've been like taking crazy notes here because I, all the things you kept saying, I was like, Oh, I want to ask about this or talk about this. Um, and that's why my podcast kind of go all over the place. But, um, but you mentioned some really, really interesting things and something I hear a lot from business owners that are in a type of business that is about like people and serving people. And I work a lot of, um, a lot with businesses in health and fitness. And so, but what I hear a lot is like, they, they started it because they want to help people, right? Like that's why they decided to do what they do. And then interestingly enough, like you said, you weren't necessarily looking for this type of business or maybe not even knowing that you wanted to own a business, like you said, but your background has led you to these kinds of things. Like I believe it attracts the kinds of things that we truly do desire and also are good at, right? From a gift perspective. And so it almost sounds like you attracted that kind of um, way to help support people through this business because of your um, experience as a child and, and the kinds of things that you do in your life. Like it really is your heart center. And, and so, you know, you said like you have certain things you bring to the table and your husband has certain things he brings to the table and together it made sense that this was the business for you. So I just, I love all those pieces because we may not always know those breadcrumbs that are being like kind of planted along the way but there comes a moment in time when we get the opportunity to say, well, what could that look like? And you decided that starting, you know, to, to basically start this franchise, right, to, to buy in on this franchise made sense for you in all of those ways. So it's kind of like it, you almost built like your own decision making matrix without <laughs> doing it, but it was like all the things you knew made sense. 
Yeah, I guess that's really true. You know, when we were evaluating this, now there's been a lot of surprises, things mm -hmm. we didn't anticipate. Sure. Uh, business ownership definitely has its challenges. Uh, you know, creating healthy boundaries and not letting the business own you instead of you owning the business has been a constant challenge. Um, and that's, you know, again, where uh, the support of our accountability partners and friends has been so crucial um, to us um, so that, you know, this thing doesn't take over our relationship and that we are still husband and wife before we're business partners. Yeah. Um, but when we, you know, when we founded the company, um, we had a goal, you know, because we didn't want to build a business and destroy a marriage. <laughs> so okay. that's a good um, goal. Yeah, exactly. And we took our um, kind of our corporate motto um, from a verse in scripture. It's in Philippians and it says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together in one mind and purpose. And so that's been uh, just a real anchor point for us when we start to drift in one direction or another, you know, coming back, are we agreeing wholeheartedly? Are we loving one another? Are we working together with our whole team? Not just the two of us, but we have a, a small team of employees, you know, are we working in one mind and purpose? And, um, and we are individuals and we are very different in our perspectives and the way we approach different things. But, when we, you know, face something where we have a difference of opinion, how can we come to agreement? How can we, uh, you know, love one another and serve one another as we serve our community? And I think that's really helped us as we faced challenges, including the one we're in right now. Um, there's a whole lot of fear when you're in a, a service-based business going into people's homes, serving the populations that are most medically vulnerable. <laughs> so uh, facing this season has been its own challenge. Absolutely. And, and how do we do that together in one mind and purpose? Yeah. And, and that's, it's so beautiful too. And like you said, it really, it's that grounding place for you to go back to because things like fear, uncertainty, you know, abrupt change, unexpected change can put us into a place where we don't see anymore what it was that like the reasons why, right? The purpose, the, um, the intention and being able to go back to something that can ground you to say, we collectively know what, like why we're doing this. We might know not, we might not know what's next. We might not know how to solve this current, you know, problem or, or challenge, but we know where we stand to do this in a way that is um, important to you, right? And so I always really like when I'm able to help somebody, it's like not necessarily figuring out the, the action plan, but what do you always want to come back to and ground yourself with? Because that truly, like you said, is your anchor. I love that anchor point. That's really amazing. But I want to ask you a little bit about, okay, so we are in this current season, right? And I call it a season because I know it will change. Um, in you know, the, the midst of a pandemic with a lot of things going on and a lot of uncertainty and fear, but you talked a lot about how you've, you've moved yourself through challenges and through pivots 
You know, you pivoted when you first decided to start the business. You pivoted when now COVID has been happening. So can you tell me a little bit about like, where do you draw from? What are the things that you maybe learned in those other pivots that you're applying now to keep you going forward? Because that truly is kind of the, the intention now. Anybody says, well, what should I do? I'm like keep moving forward. Like, what is it that's helping you right now? Yeah, it's so true. Just keep swimming, like Dory says. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I do. I think that having that anchor point has helped us. Um, remembering the why when you're doing something. Uh, you know, for me, because I'm at my heart, I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big ongoing challenges that I faced, and it's, it's, it's a common pivot point, is that balance of work life and family life and the demands of being in a business. Um, and I've faced those moments when I'm spending in, in a typical season, I'm on the road a lot. I'm meeting with people throughout San Diego County, um, going into their homes, spending time with them, making, you know, recommendations, suggestions about what solutions they might need now and maybe in the future. Um, and it's really time consuming. And then I, and again, I'm hugely relational. So I feel like I've built this relationship with this person. I've heard their stories, which are amazing, by the way. I meet so many amazing people. Um, and then invest this time in, in putting together a plan for them, only to have them not <laughs> agree to the plan, not move forward, not, and, and you get too many of those stacked up on each other. And you start to feel like, wow, I spent all that time. And then you see the things I could have been spending the time. You know, the grandkids that really wanted to go to the park and I couldn't because I was putting together a quote. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I've wrestled back and forth with that. Um, is this a therapy session, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> no, public therapy. Yay. Um, <laughs> but I've really wrestled with that, that sense of, Number one, feeling inadequate. Mm -hmm. like what didn't I do that failed to, you know, let them see the urgency of these solutions or whatever. Um, but also that, that feeling like, wow, did I just waste all this time? And I don't ever want to feel that way. And so again, coming back to that pivot point, the why, and, and, you know, and also the perspective that, there are some things that are within my control. So the boundaries of not getting back on the computer after dinner and doing emails into the middle of the night, like making that family time sacred. Those are things I can control. The things I can't control are someone's choice to do business with me or not. And so um, I, I change that perspective that whether or not it results in a sale, or someone choosing to do business, I've still done the service that I needed to do in letting them know what their options were in helping them to understand what solutions are available to them. Yeah. So, um, so, and that helps a lot. Uh, so those little moments of emotional crisis are, are sh a lot shorter than they used to be. I used to really struggle with that a lot. 
And now it's just kind of those moments of, oh, I could have been at the beach <laughs> with the kids, or oh, I could have, you know, gone on that walk with my friend instead of driving to El Cajon today. Yeah. And, and you're, and believe me, you're talking about stuff that, you know, you are not alone in that conversation with yourself and those struggles that you're talking about, you know, being the business owner, wearing the many hats, being a mom, being a parent, you know, just really trying to find a way that you don't at some point, you know, crack and then start to resent what it is that you truly are trying to do. And, or even just bring forward the questions that, you know, maybe are important questions that sometimes we don't want to ask ourselves. You know, are we coming at this from that place of um, why, you know, purpose, like that we truly want to do? Or do we feel like we're doing it because other people have put us in the position to, you know, have to, um, trying to meet other people's expectations, like all of those questions that are really hard. And when you're able to sit back from it and remove the judgment, the self-judgment of like, am I good enough? Am I being a good mom? And all of those things, which are all the stories we're telling ourselves. And then also not take things personally. Like you said, if the fear is rejection, the fear is they're not going to want what I have to offer. Well, is that true? Or is it just, it's not a right fit and it's okay. And, and I love what you said in the beginning. It's kind of like, your, your intention is to find solutions for people, whether or not they're your, you can provide those for them. And, and it's similar to what I get to do as a coach, because it might not be a good fit for me with somebody. I might not be the resource that they need. And I always, you know, I ask myself the question, like, if they said no, like, how do I respond to that? And I just, I, I show up and I just say, if I'm a good fit for you, awesome. If I'm not awesome, like <laughs> that's okay. Because at the end of the day, I know what it is that I can do. And I don't waver from that based on somebody else saying I'm not for them. And Very that's true. hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard, but it's also just an honest way to live because we are not always right for every person. And, um, and that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I, I said that all the time. I was, I was a dating coach. I was a matchmaker. I have dated since going through a divorce and then getting remarried. So I understand what that feels like. I can relate almost anything to dating, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it's true because if you're in that place where really what you're, what you're trying to do is get a sale or get somebody to like you. Like if it's all about kind of like doing it out of desperation and a place of um, lack, right? Then mm -hmm. what you're attracting to you are the people that aren't feeling that. You know, there was something I heard one time about how, um, oh my gosh, I wish I could remember it. I should have written it down. It was something about how a, a hole will always get filled right? Like when the water comes in or something, it was, it was brilliant. And of course I can't repeat what it is, but not having a fear that you need to fill that, like it's eventually going to on its own. And so that didn't help at all. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of see the picture and you know, it's going to come to you exactly the way you wanted to say it after the recording's done. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then I'm gonna I, I will probably that. spend the rest of the afternoon thinking about all the things I wish I'd said differently. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I said, it's, it, it's one of those things. I'm definitely going to find it. But in the meantime, um, I wanted to, I also wanted to ask you about how, like, you know, you were talking about, 
the demand. You were talking about this wrestling match and I put it into a visual context so I can literally see you doing that wrestling with all of these things. And um, if you could come up with, okay, here's my question. If you could come up with one of the gifts that you have, and I go back and I, I call them gifts because there's something that can be shared, right? And that's what a gift is. It's meant to be shared. What is a gift that you have that you feel has really served you well in those wrestling matches when things have gotten difficult for you? What's a gift that you've drawn on as like, I call them your superpowers? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think one of the things that helped me throughout many changes in my life, not just business life, but you know, growing up and, and whatnot, is that adaptability. Mm that, um, and that's not normal. We don't, you know, as human beings, we don't embrace change easily, but, um, I've had this grace that's allowed me to be able to adapt to different settings, different, you know, things that have gone on, um, without being too tossed by it. And that doesn't mean, cause I'm, I am an emotional person, so I do feel things deeply. Um, but at the same time, there's this sense that God is in control, that this will all work out, that there's purpose in even what doesn't make sense to me, and that um, we will get through this. And I think it's helped me to be able to adapt quickly to different seasons and different changes. Yeah, that's powerful. That, that truly is a gift. And, um, and I love how you talked about it because you said, you know, it's, it's a grace. It's a sense of grace. And I, 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 one of my favorite, uh, somebody told me this once before is that having space and grace for yourself is a really powerful um, tool, but also, you know, that belief and the faith that you have that it's not looking at, well, what could go wrong? It's, it's the belief that there's something here that can go right. And maybe you don't know what that is, but there's a belief and a faith that there is something, right, that's going to come that's from it. True. And I think also it takes, it takes a lot of practice, right? And you said earlier about how, like, the, the things that maybe are, like, a stressor or a trigger, like, they still happen, there's not a single person in this world that doesn't have stress or isn't triggered and doesn't go through something, you know, difficult and, and respond, maybe not the way that we want to, <laughs> but it, you've lessened the time. And I, I look at it as like a rubber band where, you know, how quickly you can snap back from it. And so I believe that the more that you've had to experience that it's your practice, the more you've developed it and you can see it working and helping you. And now also adding in things like, patience or tolerance, you know, like those are kind of the qualities that, um, and compassion, you know, those are the qualities that you exhibit that help you really use this gift so powerfully. Yeah. And I think, you know, another facet of that adaptability is, is in relationships. Um, it, it's been a grace to be able to connect with different kinds of people. Uh, because, you know, I work with a lot of older adults. I have lots of friends who are in their 90s. <laughs> and, uh, and, oh man, the stories, fascinating people. And I also work with youth. 
So I have this ability to connect with teenagers and they're very different in the way that they communicate. <laughs> and I, you know, and I've looked at, at seasons in my life where I've been, uh, you know, with near people of influence or people of affluence. And I've also been able to connect with people of more modest means. And I've been able to connect with people in different cultures. And, and I think it's really the gift of being able to look at a human being as a human being and just see them as a person regardless of their age, their ethnicity, their cultural background, their affluence level, whether they're a kid or an adult or um, from the South or from another country or whatever. Um, it's, it's about loving the person in front of you and being fully present and, and finding those points of connection. And like Paul talked about being all things to all men. And, and I, you know, it, it's not, changing who you are when you're around different people, but mm -hmm. it, it's definitely um, adapting how your personality um, is expressed, I think. You know, yeah. I talk much differently around um, the high school girls that I mentor than I do with a client who's 96. Um, but I'm probably telling some of the same stories Right, right. But what I'm, what I'm understanding about this too, and how you shared it is that you have not only the awareness of kind of how you're showing up in those relationships, but also relatability and how you want to, and how you can relate to other people. So, you know, what that requires, first of all, is like wanting to, right? The, the, the interest in doing it, like you do care so much about people. That is something that you truly do love and enjoy and bring, you know, bring to life in all the things you're doing, but also removing the judgment. And that's really difficult when maybe it's not something that we're used to or comfortable with um, or know how to relate, but you're willing to say, this is important and this is how I'm going to do this. And you truly want to look at the lens that you're looking through is these are real people, right? And I, and I love that. I was just reading, an, um, I think it was, a, it was like an article that was taken from a TED talk, which was really cool. It was about um, different generations and how in the workforce, especially, you know, there's a lot of employers or leaders struggling with how do I, you know, how do I have a team of people with all these different generations and, you know, the, the myths associated with each generation, right? And what comes along with that? Like, how do I do this? You know, how do I work with boomers? And how do I work with Gen Xers? And how do I, you know, millennials and all this stuff? And what I thought was so cool is it boiled it down and said, if you just look at them as people, instead of deciding that they belong in a box of their generation. And one of the best quotes was, I've never met a generation. I meet people. And I was just like, that's so good. That was just like, it was so helpful for me as you know kind of a coach and helping people look at things differently and that was really powerful because if you decide that you're going to look at it a certain way you will and then you're going to bring the judgment to it or the stereotypes to it the beliefs to it which then cause you to respond differently but if you look at it where they're people how do you want to respond it's totally different yeah that's very very true so when i was in second grade in the south uh, 
even though there was no you know true segregation in schools um, just geographically people lived in communities where you know uh, one ethnicity lived closer in proximity than the other and you ended up with your school districts so they did this experiment my second grade year in school and we had pen pals now my community was you know this very caucasian <laughs> you know i really didn't have any people of color in my life you know we were all pink people and um as a second grader we had pen pals for the whole school year and we're writing back and forth to our pen pal and we had i think it was every week we write a letter and get a letter and and you know there was a topic of of the week you know to you know, talk, write about your favorite toy and then we'd hear about our pen pal's favorite toy and then toward the end of the school year we had a field trip to each other's school and we never had exchanged pictures mm. and it turned out that this was the school that was primarily black kids across town and then we met our pen pal and then they came to our school and um I pulled into the school and it, you know, and it's like all of a sudden all these brown skinned people. And again, I never really seen many brown skinned people and like, it didn't even phase me that they were different than me because we'd had this whole solid year of knowing one another and seeing all our similarities. So we didn't see skin color. And I think, I don't know who, um, you know, made that, that program and that plan. But I think it's, especially at that time, I, I'm 50. So this was in the mid seventies, mm -hmm. um, you know, to have that integrated kind of a, a thought of, of doing this program to allow people to see people as people without seeing their skin color. And then when you meet, oh. there's not that opposition. It was really cool. That's amazing. That's such yeah. a powerful story and obviously something that, you know, you use today, right? Or throughout your life that's grown with this sense of compassion and care for other people, you know? And and it's interesting too because you know, you said like you don't people aren't born with judgment. They're just not. You know, kids show up to, you know, meet new people in a very different way and then they learn how to limit their beliefs. They learn how to judge people. And a lot of that comes from either, you know, again, family upbringing, where you live, um, just so many influences. And over time, I mean, that's what creates, you know, dissonance. That's what creates, you know, the divide amongst people. And it's really hard to go back. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, you can't necessarily, you can't blame a child for kind of starting to look at things differently because of how they've grown up. It's just like, they just don't know any different. Mm -hmm. So it's really wonderful to have an experience that you can go back to. And maybe even as a reminder for people to say, go back to a time when you didn't have that judgment, like what's changed that maybe caused you to think differently. And, and again, it could be an experience. Like we have a negative experience and all of a sudden we're associating that with a person or a culture or whatever. Yeah. And that's what shapes us. The opportunity is to say, if that doesn't work for you, that doesn't serve you anymore. It's one of my favorite questions. That's not serving you anymore. Then what do you want to do differently? And it's kind of not that you want to go back and dwell in the past because that's not what I do, but I really like to help people say, 
what do you, what did, what's something that you remember from a while back when maybe your thoughts were different, your beliefs were different? What's changed along the way? And what would you do differently now to kind of course correct it if that's what you want to do? If it's important that you show up in a non judgmental way to interact with people and help serve them? Yeah, that's pretty great. I know. Um... A few years ago when uh, one of my daughters was, you know, dealing with some emotional um, just upheaval and going through a, a life change. Um, it was actually when, you know, her dad and I went through a divorce and that's so hard on kids. Yeah. And we had a counseling appointment with this gentleman and he, um, he shared something really similar to what you were saying that, you know, we try to treat these issues by treating the symptoms of the issue. And, you know, let's say it's a child who is angry and acting out and you're treating the anger and the acting out, but you never sink deep enough to, to get to the why, to get to the root cause, then you're only gonna treat that symptom and maybe you remedy that symptom, but then it's gonna show up over here in another type of symptom, in a different way that you have to look back and find what is the root cause of this issue. And it, it speaks to what, you know, what you were talking about. Um, and I just think there's so much wisdom in that. Yeah. And it's definitely the hardest thing to do. And I can say that to be true. Like it's easier to treat the symptom, mm -hmm. right? Because it's likely going to be faster and less emotionally taxing and less work to do that. Mm -hmm. But like you said, the results won't last. Yeah. And, um, Let's root. use weeding as an example. <laughs> <laughs> I love it now. All of these. Oh my gosh, we have all these weeds that have sprouted up in our grass. And uh, so when I'm outside, you know, with the kids are playing on the trampoline and I'm watching them, I'm just kind of picking these weeds out of the grass. And, and it's so tempting just to mow them, out, mow them down but then they pop right back up so much faster than the grass. What's up with that? Exactly. And, and it, it's that idea that if I don't take the time to pull out the root, when it grows back, that root is continuing to thicken and get stronger and get deeper. Um, if I'm not pulling it out, if I'm just lopping off the top, it's not going to produce lasting fruit. Absolutely. So, I don't know who that's for, whoever's listening next time you pull a weed. I'm going to give, I'm going to let you do the show next time. Cause that's the best analogy ever. <laughs> it's so but, much a part of my life right now. <laughs> yeah. Pulling, pulling out the root, going to the core and actually, like you said, taking the time, which most of us don't want to, right. We don't want to spend our time doing something. And again, if you're not even really sure if it's going to work, are those weeds going to come back, you know, but there is value in that. And there is so much powerful change that can happen when you do that. But it's really freaking scary sometimes mm -hmm. to do that, right? Call it like looking in the mirror, right? The reflection and seeing what is at the root of that. What is the belief? What is the story that you've got going on that's telling you, you know, to do whatever it is that you're doing? Because that's really where it starts is the belief um, and the thought around it. So I love that. I, I, I'm super visual. So I already saw you out there weeding your yard um, <laughs> and doing that hard work. But um, I would love to ask you, okay, so I always, I always go to um, quotes and mantras and things because our self-talk also does guide a lot of what we're, you know, 
able to do what we believe we can do. And so everybody's got something that they really like to share or remind themselves of. And so um, I always ask my guests to, to put that together when they're coming on my show. And I have yours literally right in front of me. And of course, I don't even know what I did with my notes on that. So yeah. um, if you don't mind, can you, do you have it in front of you, the scripture that you shared with me? Yeah. Um, well, and I know it because it's been, a, you know, kind of a life verse. And, and, you know, like I said, when you sent me that question about what is, you know, the one quote or mantra that, you know, you, uh, is really meaningful to you. There are so many, uh, just like even, you know, what I shared earlier about working together in one mind and purpose. Um, but the one that came to mind has been kind of a life verse for me. And it's from the book of Galatians chapter six, verse nine. And it's, uh, you know, basically don't give up or, you know, let me just read it so that I don't misquote it, but it's the idea that, uh, don't grow weary in, in doing good because in the end you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Yeah. I and, just found it. Yeah. You want me to read it real quick? Sure. Go ahead and read it. Okay. I just found it. <laughs> um, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up Galatians nine or sorry, six, nine. Yeah. And I just, you know, I think of all of the stories of, you know, the, the miner who was digging for gold and he, you know, gave up and sold the mine and, and, you know, six inches deeper was the mother load. Uh, those types of stories that are so true. Um, life is a long game. Mm-hmm. And there, are, there may be things that you are dreaming of and hoping for and goals that you've set. And we face obstacles in reaching those goals. And it's so, you know, those words just speak of perseverance on so many levels. Um, you're raising teens right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this verse was especially meaningful for me when my older daughters were teens, uh, because that was when our relationship was the most difficult. And parenting is the hardest. <laughs> so that be, you know, those verses really spoke to me. It's like, okay, this will bear fruit if I don't give up. If I continue to do good, if I continue to do the right thing, even if it's not the popular thing with the teenagers, yep. uh, it will bear fruit. It will produce a harvest. And you know, now that my daughters are in their late 20s, it is producing a harvest. Our relationship is solid and strong um, in business as we've faced difficult times. Like even right now, you know, sales are down because people aren't out, you know, getting things. Um, again, it's, it's not growing weary and doing good that we are here for the right reasons to help people. And that will bear fruit as we persevere. Um, if that's a fitness goal, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's hard getting up in the morning and working out at 50. My knees are creaking. My hips are creaking. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> but I need to continue to do it because it will bear fruit. Yeah. And it Plus starts I really with- like to eat. So I have to exercise in order to consume the volume of food that I want to consume. That's exactly why I work out. Come on now. I'm Italian yeah. too. And I'm like, I mean, I was raised on eating a lot all the time. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, but it, it applies to every good thing. 
that you want, you know, whether it's, uh, I mean, it's from the Bible. Yeah. Um, And it absolutely applies to our spiritual endeavors and, you know, people that um, we're, you know, sharing with and you want to see them filled with hope, but it applies to like every aspect of life, you know, business life, family life, community life. Um, Don't, you know, grow weary in in doing good because in the end it will produce a harvest if you don't give up. Yeah. And I, and I think that's such a wonderful message to leave with people, especially right now. You know, it's been a journey, right? It's been a journey the last couple of months and it continues to be. And being able to wrap your arms around that idea that, you know, there is something that is going to come from this and maybe we don't know yet what it is, but there's something there. You know, I, I say a lot, there's growth in the gaps. And so, just starting there and saying, okay, I'm going to sit in the belief, the rest of it, it's still going to take some work, right? And, and at the same time, and some faith and some belief, but don't stop, keep yourself moving forward, keep yourself in a place of optimism, which can be really difficult too. But the more you do that, the more you're going to not allow the fear and the other things to put a stop to what it is that you truly do want to do. It might might have to change. It might have to redirect or pivot like, you know, all those things, but not to just not stop and then go into that place of desperation or fear and just be like, oh, I don't want to do anything else. Right. You got to keep, keep showing up. Right. Yeah. I think that's super important. Wow. I love that. I think what you've shared today is so incredible. Again, the, the gifts that you've used to guide not only your business, but also all the other things in your life, which for me is such a philosophy around, you know, we don't have multiple lives. You don't have a work life or a personal life or a social life. Like you have one life. And when you work on you, how you show up in all of those areas is truly impacted um, positively or negatively. Right. So you sharing your experience and your story with the business and also your, your journey through life the gifts that you bring to the table and, and how you keep yourself grounded has just been so awesome. I absolutely love it. I could literally keep going and going and going, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to continue on another time. But can you please, Kendra, share with their audience how they can find you um, if they're interested in knowing more about what you do with, with one-on-one mobility or just even as a small business owner getting through change? Like, I would love if you can share how people can find you. Oh, awesome. Yeah, there's a, a few ways I'm out there. Um, you know, uh, our, our website for the business 101 mobility is www.101mobility.com slash San Diego. And you'll find an about me page that has just some in- information about me personally, but you can also learn about the types of solutions that we have and you know, more of our product line and things like that. Uh, you can also uh, look at ageinplace.org and look up the San Diego chapter. Um, that's the National Aging in Place Council. And that's a, a more comprehensive resource guide um, for people who are interested in aging in place and what that looks like and how to plan for it. Uh, because that's, and that's a big part of the education 
piece that I provide. Um, and you'll find not just me, but many resources there. So that's a great place to look. Um, if you're caring for an aging parent or you are an aging parent, <laughs> that's a, a great place to look. That's awesome. And I, and I appreciate those two great resources, not only how to find you business wise, but also how to really start looking at the bigger picture and what that could look like. And if 101 Mobility can help you with some of those solutions. So Kendra, thank you so much for your time, for your energy and your compassion. The kind of work you're doing is absolutely fantastic. And I truly do hope that, you know, if you're listening and these are some of the things that are coming up for you that you think that Kendra and her team can help you with, I would encourage you to please reach out. Um, and also if this episode has helped, if you can subscribe, share it with somebody else that maybe really needs to hear this today, that would be amazing. Um, but thank you just in general for listening and with love and laughter, have a great day. <laughs> Thanks.